It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Locked on Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Ben Standing. You can read me on NBCWashington.com and FanRag Sports. Find me on Twitter at Ben Standing. And, of course, you can find all the podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you, you do your podcasting. You can find the Wizards once again in the loss column. They got uh, taken down by the Oklahoma City Thunder, Russell Westbrook, OKC Defense, too much, especially when the Wizards are still not uh, kicking it, other than Bradley Beal, who had 41 points. And there was some other good stuff, but a lot of a lot of similar things we've seen. So we're going to talk about all that and more with uh, our guy who always brings the thunder on his quarterly report, which you can also find on I- iTunes, Mr. Armand Lee. What's up, man? Oh, man. What a what an introduction. I feel I feel like, you know, I'm I'm coming out, you know, out of the United Center with the Chicago <laughs> Bulls theme music playing in the background. I'm ready I'm ready to lace them up. <laughs> well, I always feel more energetic watching a Russell Westbrook game anyway, especially when he <laughs> I mean, like we already we all see it all the time, you know, the, all the highs. But like when you watch him especially against your team, so to speak, the team, you know, the Wizards and gotta watch out. I mean it it's almost like the Wizards couldn't have faced a worst player for a team that right, right now looks to be stuck in second gear, right? Because yeah. the, the Wizards are clearly not killing it at, for whatever the reason. They're, they're just not that energetic. And then you see Russell Westbrook. It's like, I don't do this, but I know people who listen to their podcasts on like three right. times the speed. So you hear everybody talk. They sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks, but it just goes faster. That's what it looked like with Westbrook. He was that, and the Wizards were on the normal speed. Just getting after it and, you know, doing some good stuff here and there. But just, it was just watching him just tore. And what did he have? I think, uh, in the fourth quarter. Well, first of all, Westbrook had 46 points, which is pretty good. In the fourth quarter, he had 21 points on nine of 11 shooting and only two three pointer times. He was just getting so much around the basket. Uh, but I, I know for me, just the contrast of his energy against where the Wizards are at right now just really, Really stood out. It is. It's really jarring. Um, even I mean, obviously, if you, if you watch the game or if you see the highlights, like the dunks are really impressive. But the thing that stands out to me is like when he gets a rebound and he's almost like he just shoots out of a cannon, and you just see him literally just race past his own teammates and then like three of the Wizards players, and you're like, like how in a league full of elite athletes is he who's been cut on like you know twice you know still so much so much more explosive than everyone you know what i mean and and like you said um 
for whatever reason, we don't know what's going on with the Wizards. Obviously, talent is there. Talent is not the issue. But you, when you think of someone like John, you know, and who's as fast as any other person other than Russ, I would say, in the league, and you see how, like, Russ, even on plays that have no shot of nothing going on, it seems like the effort is always at 10. I don't know how sustainable it is, but this is, what, year eight, year nine for Russ? It's not more. You see, and then you see it with John, and you look at someone who physically should be on that level just as far as athleticism is concerned. And then you start thinking, like, well, why can't we get this on a night-to-night basis where, you know, you can, the similarities in the broadcast, they did a lot of things wrong with the, uh, the announcers. But one thing that they did well was kind of draw the similarities between the inconsistent play with Oklahoma City and that with Washington. And as someone who watches a lot of Wizards basketball, as if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you do as well, that, that does stick in my head. Like, why can't we get that on a more consistent basis? And by the way, we'll get to the TNT crew in a minute. That, 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 that was a special performance. From it was hard. So that was a special performance from all of them. Um, but yeah, did you see, uh, I mean, you're a guy that covers, you know, follows the NBA and, and, and you, you know, you talk all, all kinds of NBA stuff on your podcast and Twitter, which is, of course, on Twitter, you can find Armand at Armand underscore Lee. Um, but did you see that Zach Lowe stat he, when he released his, what, what his hypothetical all-star right. rosters would look like? Did you see that stat about John Wall? About John? Yeah. That was that was tough, and you know some of that stuff, you know, because when you watch, I mean, I, I salute the guys who actually like watch film. I don't know if he watches film per se, but you know, watches games and then like rewatches the game and just study all those, you know, numbers are one thing, but then actually like uh, moving statistics and things of that nature. Because oftentimes you, if like when you watch a game live, and I don't go back and rewatch games. Um, but, you know, you're so into the game and the flow and the score and everything like that, that type of information gets lost. So, you know, there are times when, you know, you, we talk about John and, and you think about a season and you're like, man, there are moments when he's really, really great and then there's moments when you're like, ah, I feel like we can get more. But then when you see those numbers and you're just like, wow, and then now, you know, it's on your mind. So you start seeing screenshots of, you know, the play where, Melo gets, uh, you know, the the second of his easy dunk, and John is just kind of looking there. And you start to – and then it, and it becomes illuminating. You know what I mean? Because this is – he wants – this is Wolf season. Remember, like, he's the leader. And no matter how many times you hear him say it and point out uh, his own flaws before he criticizes anyone, which I, I commend him on that. But this happens too frequently. Like, he is – he wanted leadership. Like, and he has it now. He wanted – Long-term security, he has that, but we got to get more. Like that, the number that Jack Lowe think was like seventies. Well, you, you may know it better than me, but it was ridiculously high of the numbers of the, the the time amount of time that he does not move. You know what I mean? And that's unacceptable. Yeah, it was something like seventy-six percent or something, seventy-four, something in the seventies, and it was number one in the entire league. The stat was for those of you who didn't hear, the stat was. Uh, 70-something percent of the time, one of these tracking sites says that John Wall is either moving slow or walking or something to that effect, right. standing still um, on the court, which is an insane number, uh, especially when you consider if, if it's 50-50 offense-defense, that means 
you know, it's, we watch him on offense. He's moving pretty well. That means he really doesn't right. seem to be doing much on the other end of the court or at least off the ball. Um, but, uh, and, again, re- remember, he, he's the guy that said this past offseason he's the best two-way guard in the league. So, like, you, 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 you wanted this. So now we, we're going to hold you accountable. Right, absolutely. And, you know, let me uh, – you know, I don't think we're saying this, but you know, just to make, make it clear, this you know the Wizards didn't lose this game solely because uh, of John right. Wall. I mean, John Wall had 21 and 12. Bradley Beal was the one though who was carrying the day. 41 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. I looked this up uh, thanks to our friends with Basketball Reference. He's the only fourth fourth player in franchise history and first since 1965 to have 40, 12, and seven. I mean, obviously it's kind of random numbers, but. First, first since 1965 to have those kind of numbers. So pretty special night from Beal. He was killing it in the fourth quarter too. I want to say he had 18 points uh, there, right. and he was the one guy who, from start to finish, was really getting after it. Um, also, Marquise Morris, 20 and nine. You would say if you had those three guys doing putting up those kinds of numbers, you would think that would be good enough. And and, and uh, you know, Wall was seven or 16 from the field. That's not terrible. He had five threes. Marquise seven to twelve. The Wizards actually got up to the forty nine percent from the field, but they were pretty da- pretty lousy early. But they didn't get really much of anything out of their center spot. Otto Porter, a spotty night shooting again. Uh, you know, the one game after he had to leave with a hip injury, I really thought maybe they would sit him, but they keep punching him even though this hip injury seems to be an issue. Um, I didn't see him laboring too much tonight, but it is what it is, and we'll get to back to that one in a second. Uh, but you know, not much off the bench. Uh, Kelly Oubre was a minus 19 and a plus minus in 25 minutes. Uh, so, so they really just didn't have much going on. And by the way, l- let me just say this. I mean, we always focus on the Wizards, Ar- Armand, because that's right. the obvious thing. Damn, was that OKC defense tough. I mean, from, from the second the game started, I'm looking at the matchups going, oh man, I don't know where the Wizards are going to go here. Because <laughs> like everywhere you wanted to look, I mean, you know, we know Westbrook has energy at least. Uh, you know, you had you had Roberson all over Beal. You had Paul George on Otto, Stephen Adams, who's really a force. You know, and Carmelo not necessarily a great defender, but he you know he he, he seemed to be in the flow of it. Uh, the, uh, their their defense was just so impressive all night. Even when after the Wizards had some good runs, it just felt like they were uh, just too good. Which, by the way, makes Beal's forty one even more impressive. Right. Yeah. I mean. When you look at Oklahoma City, um, you know, when you have Roberson and then Paul George on the wing, it allows Russ to kind of be more of like the free safety that, you know, he often does anyway, right? But you have enough guys who are smart in terms of team defense that it it, it can allow for Russ to kind of wander off and try to make the the real spectacular plays. And then, you know, you you try to hide Melo. I don't think it's a coincidence that Marquise got off tonight. Um, and this is coming from a Knicks fan, so believe me, I, I know. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the tenacity that they play, I mean, Steven Adams, Paul George, and Roberson, I mean, they, they just really get after it and it makes it tough. Um, passing lanes, I mean, there were, there were, there were moments where the Wizards would make nice back cuts and they would, they would, you, you, you could see that they were trying to make the right play, but Oklahoma City would just swarm the basketball and they, they would try to funnel ball handlers to the baseline. I mean, really smart defensive principles that you can tell that that team has. And, and the team defense as a whole is, man, it's firing on all cylinders. If, if Carmelo Anthony could just muster up anything, you really start to see, like, okay, maybe this team could be dangerous. Um, I'm not saying that they, they, could, they could 
win the whole thing, but you could see the potential roadblocks that they would present to the top teams. But, um, yeah, defensively, they, they, they were tremendous. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, no, they, they, they were, uh, yeah, the OKC defense was was, was tremendous. Uh, not tremendous, the TNT crew. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize until the game started that this was a Reggie Miller game which automatically puts me on edge because he is just just terrible. Um, as somebody said to me earlier, I'll protect the innocent. Um, but this is sort of funny. They said that they would rather listen to our friend Brian Mitchell talk hockey than Reggie Miller talk basketball. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm... This may not surprise you because you know me. You know me fairly well, and I, I guess I have the the uh, history, the ability to be a bit contrarian. Usually, I actually enjoy Reggie Miller, not because he presents any type of insight to the broadcast, but because he's just so silly that I find myself laughing at him a lot. And it, 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 to me, oftentimes, it, it gives a different type of entertaining dynamic, at least for the, the, the viewing uh, aspect of it. You know, I, But full disclosure, I'm also someone who loves Bill Walton calling games. But tonight... And maybe it's because I, I, you know, I follow the Wizards so much. It was just awful. It was like he, it was like you just grabbed the guy from the gas station and like, hey, call this game without knowing anything, right? Because he's making these, these proclamations, like declarations about Otto and how poorly Otto was shooting. And then seconds later, Kevin Harlan was like, well, you know, Otto is eighth in the league in three point shooting. Right. And, and it was crazy. And, and no one talked about Otto's injury. You mentioned it earlier. I actually think it's time to really consider sitting Otto. You know what I mean? Because there's clearly there, there has clearly been a drop off in play, and unless there's another reason for someone can can give me, I don't think it's a coincidence that it, it happens immediately following you know him having uh, issues with his hip. Yeah, yeah. I mean Reggie was awful. The halftime show was awful. I mean, shout out to Kristen Ledlow and Kevin Harlan because you know they did their best. Uh, with the, you know, the end of quarter interviews and then Carlin doing the play by play, but the lack of respect and the lack of just kind of, I don't know, <laughs> professionalism of just knowing what you're talking about, and especially as it pertained to auto, it was really alarming. So, 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 so let's get to that because this was a thing. And, you know, Armand, look, you, you, you know, I get, I get tagged with uh, being an auto homer and things like that. And, and what I try to explain to people is, I'm not a homer. People just, for whatever the reason on this guy in particular, they're just always wrong. It was this way from the moment right. he showed up that, like, because he wasn't great right off the bat, because, oh, by the way, he had an injury in the first year, too. People just ignore right. that. He wasn't an all-star right off the bat, so screw him. And then it took forever for people to sort of get past that. Then we get past that. Then he signs a contract, which the Wizards had no choice but to give him to, give him, 
uh, or match the offer because they had no other money. People think the record, think the situation is bad now. If the Wizards had let Otto Porter go to the Nets, they wouldn't have any money to do anything, and they would be five to, right. five to ten games worse than they are right now because they literally would have had a bunch of jabronis in out there. But they, they, right, right now, they don't even have any wing depth, let alone that. In any event. He's been really good most of this year. His numbers up to the point where he missed a couple games with the hip injury, his numbers were better from three-point range. He was scoring more points. His usage rate was up, an indication that he's been he's starting to do more than just sort of stand in the corner, all that stuff. The hip injury comes, the numbers go down, and in 2018, he's not been good. I mean, I mean the shot is not falling. Let's be clear about right. that. But you could argue they should be sitting him at some point, like we're saying. But, of course, every time they, they go to sit him, Brooks has nowhere else to turn because they don't have right. and they literally have nobody yeah. else on the bench on the wing. So the fact that and by the way, again, in the last game, he left at some point during the game <laughs> with his hip injury. And yet the TNT crew acted as if he's been healthy the whole year. Reggie Miller said he's been bad all year. Kenny Smith said, <laughs> Well, I, I I he's been really bad for the last seven game eleven games. If it's eleven games, that's who you are. It's like, oh my God, are you guys know anything? Right. I, I didn't mind Barkley yeah. saying they've been playing like crap because they have been. But the the, the idea, like, call it like it is. There's plenty to criticize. You don't have to just make crap up. Make up stuff. Yeah. Two things. Number one, I commend you, men, because let me have been right on Otto. And I, I don't think I was wrong, but I wasn't definitely on the front lines like you. And then have it turn around the way it has, I would bring it in everyone's face. You know what I'm saying? So I commend you for your modesty because I am nothing like that. But number two, as it pertains specifically to Otto, um, the problem with Otto is, you know, he is great at things that I don't think the – I don't even want to say casual NBA fan. The, the, the majority of fans who love the NBA, um, and that, this is not a knock, but I think they it's just easy to kind of fall in love with the – the countable stats, you know what I mean? The points per game, rebounds per game, all that type of stuff. Otto is excellent at doing the things that people don't value, right? And, I mean, I'm, we can go into another topic, but this is your show, so I, I'll let you steer. But I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on this. But oh no, if no, you're no. going to have – oh, go ahead. No, 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 you're, you're totally right. Here's an example of, of this. Let's just you take Kenny Smith's own words. He said during this game – if you're shooting this bad from uh, over the last 11 games, that must be who you, who you are. In other words, this guy stinks right now, right? Uh, right? Stats can be misleading. We all understand that. Let's look at it. If, so including this game that just happened over the last 12 games, guess Armand who leads the Wizards in net rating over the last 12 games. Want to guess? <laughs> I, I assume it's Otto. It's Otto with a plus, plus 7.3. Want to guess what the second place person has? Mm, I'm barely over even. Very good. John Wall's plus 1.2. Now, right. you know, there's lots of factors that can go into all of these things, and, you know, a good 24-4 to 4 run can skew things and all that stuff. My point is that even in the stretch where everybody's acting like he's the worst player of all time, he has the best net rating on the team by a bazillion. Right. So, yes, his shot's not falling. It wasn't falling tonight either. He was still making those plays. How many times did I notice – the, the the hustle play, you know, the the, the ball comes over you know, to him. And, and like I said, this is where people start acting like I'm defending him. I'm not defending him. He's not been that great. You could point to stuff. 
But when you say stupid, ignorant crap, like they all do, right, right, right. it drives me freaking insane. Um, which, by the way, brings me to a different point. And since I haven't had you on the podcast in a while, I'm sort of curious as to your point, as to your thoughts on this. So, look, we, we've we've talked enough about this game per se, but this stretch where the Wizards <laughs> have been off has gone on for more than a minute now. They're still over 500, but now they've actually they're in a tie for fifth with Indiana. I think technically they're in sixth, so they're going the wrong way. It doesn't take much for them to get up to third, but it doesn't feel like that's turning anytime soon right now. So the question everybody sort of has is, they got to do something. You got to make a trade. You just to shake up. You got to do something. And you know, I I don't necessarily buy into that. I mean, I think they need to make a move from a general standpoint. If you if the goal is to win right. the East, you know, I think they need another wing. I mean, J, T, uh, uh, Jody Meeks, the shot's not falling, and you know, Bradley Beal right. like forty five minutes tonight. So they, I think they need another wing that can help. And look, if Otto is banged up. They don't have anybody behind him and Ubre, so I'm down for yeah. that. But I'm not of somebody of the opinion that they have to do something so dramatic as to trade hypothetically Otto Porter. Uh, who let's even ignore the fact that he has a no trade clause this year because right. because of the the offer sheet that he signed as a restricted free agent. He he can veto everything. So but even putting that aside, what's your sense of like what level trade does this team need to make? A big one to trade one of their key guys, something more subtle. Where, where, you know, where maybe it's just even like, a, you know, a second-round pick? Or is there another range, you know, uh, the first? Uh, w- what level of trade do you think this team needs to make at this point? All right, so uh, I'm glad you asked me this question. You know, back when you and I were seeing each other more frequently, we would have these kind of hypothetical scenarios and conversations far more often. And um, we agree to the point that, you know, every team is not competing. Ultimately, you want to win, Right. But if we're being realistic, every team is not competing for a championship, okay? Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, if they go to the playoffs this year, that is considered a huge win for that team, that organization, considering what they've been through. Uh, if the Houston Rockets don't go to the finals this year, that's going to be looked upon as a failure. So just because they're competing, it's not championship for bust for every team. I say that because the Wizards have a top-five payroll. So when you're spending money on that level, um, the, the 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 that whole kind of well, we're not winning, we're not paying to win. That kind of, in my opinion, is thrown out the window because if that's the case, you shouldn't be spending this much money. You shouldn't be in the luxury tax. I, I say all of that because, and I and I had this conversation with a few buddies of mine, and I, I talked about this on the pod. Shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> Unless you think John Wall and or Bradley Beal is on the, is the same type of caliber of player as Steph Curry or James Harden, in my opinion, and I think history will show this, it doesn't it doesn't seem like a smart move to build your team with two high usage guards. You see with Portland, right? The you, even and Damian Lillard's name kind of came up. Damian Lillard's a great player, but they have a ceiling. You see it with Toronto. Toronto is a, a tremendous organization. They've been consistently really good for the past handful of years. But we all know what's going to happen to them when they get to the playoffs. And you see it with the Wizards. John Wall and Bradley Beal are both very good players. I was – no player has made me look more of a fool than Bradley Beal. I was so wrong about him. And this year I think we could say that he's probably – well, he's better than John, okay? He's been their most 
Uh, he's been their most talented player this season. But I do question the the decision-making, the configuration of the roster, if you're going to build your team with two guards. Because, again, if you're not Steph Curry, if you're not James Harden, it doesn't win. And when you're in the luxury tax, I absolutely think it's time to think maybe you move one of them, okay? Now, just because you move one of them, it doesn't mean that you think they're a bad player. It doesn't mean that you're blowing it up, right? Isaiah Thomas was a second-team All-NBA player for Boston, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last year. They traded him in a lottery pick, a coveted pick, and a rotational player, and they got they improved, right? They traded him for Kyrie. So I do think that the Wizards should at least think about moving this core group of the, the House of Guards, if you will, because, again, the NBA history shows you having two guards like that, building your team with the your offensive usage of players, going through those two guards, it doesn't work. C.J. McCollum and Dane, very good. They have a ceiling. DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, two all-stars, just like the Wizards. They absolutely have a ceiling. And the Wizards right now, you're struggling. Like, they're struggling to be a sixth seed. And, yeah, they're close to third, but do we really think that they're going to pass Cleveland, even with Cleveland's problems? Because I don't. And I think that everything should be on the table. And if that's the case, I absolutely think that you, you consider it because what's going on on the floor now with the Wizards, it's not working. So so here's the thing on, on, on that. I mean, I guess there's just a couple ways to look at that. One, um, well, for for one, they actually can't even trade Wall this year because of the extension that he well, signed. So so he right. so he can't even move. And like I said, Otto has a uh, so that leaves a, you a, one. Well, I mean, you know? I, I mean, Otto could say, okay, fine, I'll do it. Right. So that leaves you Beal, who is probably the one of the three where I'm not saying like I'm looking to trade John Wall, but I mean, I don't know if I'm want to trade Bradley Beal right now. He's the one guy who who this year. Not that everything is about this these 45 games, but you know he's been the one who's been really the, the best one of the lot. So I don't know. If Absolutely, but but to that point, he also probably has the highest value of the three right now. Sure, sure. Like I mean, he's so, just locked up. He's a two guard and making his first All Star appearance. Got it. All right. You know, so like if you were to consider trading Bradley Beal, the haul that you would potentially be able to get would be. You wouldn't trade him for, you know, prospects. You know, if you were to trade Bradley Bill, you're getting you're you, you big game hunting, you know? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, so so you're down for some sort of like if the Pelicans say, "Hey, Boogie's available. You give us Beal, we'll work out the rest." You, that's the kind of like that type of deal you're uh, down because because in terms of like who they're gonna get, like I, I don't think the Pelicans are trading Boogie Cousins at this point. I'm just saying like right. that like if, if you're gonna get an All Star level player, he seems like the one guy that's available. So um like so that's the type of deal like that you would be uh down with. Well, so, you know, we're going to throw out hypotheticals because I was very proud. I'm sure all the listeners have been uh, on the trade machine this past week. I was, you know, a boogie for Bill, it's it's odd, you know what I mean? Because I think, 
again, I'm not going to talk about who's better or worse. I, I, you know, that's a that's a loaded conversation. I think production wise, they're both around the same. They do two totally different things, right? You're asking the Marcus Cousins to do things that you wouldn't ask Bradley Bill to do, and vice versa. Um, so it would be in some ways shuffling the decks. Again, if you ha- if you're pairing a big with a, a point guard like John, I think that that tends to lead to, um, I guess, more sustained success, if you will. But if we're going to throw out hypotheticals, and I would love to hear your, your take on this, right? Assuming, assuming Kawhi Leonard is unhappy in San Antonio. Oh, boy. And assuming, assuming Otto Porter would be willing to waive his no-trade clause to go play with Pop, would you be interested, or would you even make the call? Bradley Bill and Otto Porter, right, for uh, Kawhi, and then you're obviously going to have to take a bad contract. So Kawhi, Pau Gasol, and Danny Green, for instance, right? Where you're getting the best player, you're giving up two really good players, but you also have to take a bad contract in return. Uh, so you're asking me if I would do that. Um, well, okay, so obviously... And then, again, this is a hypothetical. Sure. Assuming Kawhi, the rumors with Kawhi are real. Sure, let's have some fun. Um, you know, first of all, obviously, we need to see a medical report because something is obviously going on with that. Uh, I don't know what's right. happening. It's kind of weird, and it's unfortunate because he's such a fun, you know, such a good player. Uh, and, and, you know, it's amazing that they keep winning, even though he's barely been helping them at all this year. Absolutely. Um, so I, I so okay so like I didn't necessarily, you know I don't really take that Jalen Rose report as Bible only from the standpoint of it's Jalen Rose. That said, I haven't heard anybody necessarily come out and say that they're refuting it. Unless maybe I missed it, I don't know. I haven't heard like Woj or Mark Stein say, well, according to sources, that's not true. Karma or Kawhi is happy. But what so if, if if one thing that Jalen Rose said that I thought was interesting was uh, there were a couple things, but one was. Sort of that Kawhi wasn't wasn't part of the deal. Like Kawhi was one was like he couldn't get enough good players to play with him, but two like he wanted the wasn't like he wanted the ball more or something, or like he wanted to be more the focal point of the offense. Or, or am I missed it? Did I missing that? I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm not going. I didn't. I, I saw the the Jalen Rose stuff, but I was there was like a, a an article. I forget from what site where apparently they were talking. Some of the stuff was coming from Kawhi's uncle. And I guess he was uh, a bit upset with the medical staff. And then I did hear about the um, not able to attract free agents, which got is kind of crazy since they got Lamarcus. But yeah, I'm not I'm not certain about wanting a larger role offense. Right. All right. So 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 here's uh, so obviously Kawhi has you know when he's been healthy has been one of the top. I guess he's at this point one of the top five players in the league. I think I going into the year I had him. I had LeBron winning the MVP, but I think I had Kawhi right. second. Um, right. and obviously the injuries, you know, it's not, he's, that's not going to come close. Uh, he's certainly very intriguing. I guess what it would come down to for me on some level is, you know, uh, the money salary cap aspect aside, do I think that John Wall and Kawhi can coexist? And right. I don't know the answer to that. Like, if you're telling me this trade's the way it's going to go down, I still have John Wall, right? I mean, look, John Wall's a special player. Nobody's going to say otherwise, uh, you know, five-time all-star now, and that's all great. But ultimately, he plays the game a certain way, and part of my right. issue with the Wizards has been this year—not um, not always, but there was that stretch right when they had that five-game homestand where Wall well, he jumped his his uh, shot attempts up from like fourteen a game to like over twenty-two. He was taking more than Russ right, right. for a stretch. When he's doing that, the Wizards are not in a good space. And if you've got Kawhi Leonard, 
then you're going to want Kawhi Leonard to be more of the leading man. And I don't know if you if I can have John Wall and him do that. If you could somehow tell me I could get Bradley Beal and Kawhi, well, crap. Mm. Now I got one of the better shooters. Right. I know his percentages haven't been that great, but I got this really great shooter, and I got this other guy who can do a lot of stuff. I, I, San Antonio wouldn't do that, I don't think. I think they would rather do your trade. Right. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say I wouldn't consider it. I guess I would have to. Really, I really have to think about that. By the way, just to go back to the Otto Porter thing for a second, uh, people act like Danny Green is some great player, right? Danny Green right. is on the Spurs, so he's been in some big moments because of what they do. If you put Otto Porter on the Spurs, based oh, on he how, would kill it. Based on how people view Danny would, Green, Otto Porter would be a five-time All Star. <laughs> I don't, and, and this is what, kind of what kind of led me to the. And again, this whole Spurs thing is completely hypothetical. You know, it's just fun. But there's no doubt in my mind if Otto were to play in San Antonio, first off, he he seems like the perfect person, right? The absolute uh, ideal candidate, someone that Pop would want to coach. Because it's not a coincidence. When Otto plays well, it's when the ball moves around for Washington, and that's one of the reasons why his advanced numbers are so high and um, the team plays so much better when Otto plays well, because when he plays well, the ball moves, the ball doesn't stick and guys are getting open shots. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind, if Otto were to play in San Antonio, he would thrive. He, he, I mean, he, he's a better player than Denny Green. And if he was in the, a system that always valued like ball movement, you, you know, you think of those early 2000 Sacramento Kings teams as well. I mean, he, he, he thrive in a system like that. Yeah, yeah, without uh, without without question. Uh, let's dial it back to a little more reality, though, for a quick second here before I let you go. <laughs> um, if my, my sense is from what I've been told and things I've gathered is, I don't think the Wizards are looking to do move their first round pick, having done it three of the last four years. Now, granted, I haven't really checked in in a while, and they've been get it's been things have been getting progressively worse over the last week or ten days, and at some point. You know, you made the point earlier about, hey, you're already investing a lot of money. You know, you, you want to see this through. And, it, it, you know, the more this doesn't – the longer this goes before they turn it around – uh, I'm sorry. The longer this goes without a turnaround before the February trading deadline, you never know what, what what's going to happen. They may feel desperate at some point to, to, to make a move um, just to keep afloat. I mean, right now, they're only three games out of ninth. They're also only two games out of third. So it's kind of crazy. Um, all that said, there are guys like Tyreek Evans with Memphis, an expiring deal, who would give you like a third guard who could be, uh, you know, uh, at least with the second unit could give you a real piece. I keep you know, pointing to a guy like Marco Bellinelli, another expiring contract, a really good shooter, you know, could be a big a big help for, for a team that doesn't have enough all, like that off the bench. There was a trade idea from somebody with the ringer today involving the Wizards moving like Gortat in the first, I want to say, to Utah for like Alec yeah, Burks and – Somebody, uh, you know, there's other other names out there that you could imagine. Uh, anything uh, you, you got? You got any? You got any thoughts on on any of those? Guys? Or, or maybe even just to the point, if there's not a name, like as you're watching the team, like I, like, yeah. I think they need another wing or another guy who could maybe play stretch five. So Markeith isn't the only guy who can do that because that is their best lineup. But they don't just have enough guys who can do that. If you, if I tell you, there's one thing they can do in maybe a more realistic sense before the trade deadline. What, what's that thing? Yeah. Yeah, in terms of realistic moves, the problem becomes they just don't have the, the assets, right? Obviously, you know, having fun, John and Brad, they're not going to move John and Brad. 
and Otto's not going to veto a or veto just a trade to just some bottom dwelling team, right? So your three uh, assets, young talented players, you're not going to move. So then you say you have you have Ubre, you have Keith, and you have Otto, or not Otto? I'm sorry, Gortat. Um, you, I don't know why you would want to move Ubre. Um, I don't believe anybody on this roster is untouchable, right? So if the right deal comes, but you don't want to move. I don't. I don't see them moving Ubre unless they get a, like a real player. So then you're left with Marquise Morris, who, despite tonight's game, and maybe you make some calls off of tonight because he played well. It was a national televised televised game, but he's he's got like why would why would someone give you something valuable for Marquise Morris, right? Unless unless they're a prisoner of the moment and his contract is not awful, right? But he's not a, a very good player, and then Gortat. I mean, we are watching uh, Gortat's skills erode every time he's on the floor. Every single time you see Gortat, it's like he's worse than he was the last time. So his trade value is plummeting. So, yeah, you would think that you could hopefully move something for Gortat, but Gortat has an extra year on his contract. So I saw that ringer trade. I don't know what you can get for Gortat um, unless you dangle, like I said, if you package – you could package it first, but I mean, at, at, you figure at some point they learn that, especially when you see the lack of depth the team has, those picks become even more valuable. It's clear they need to keep their first round pick. So then you're asking, do you do you do you add the Dingle Sadaransky, the Dingle Ubre, something to entice someone to give you something of worth, to give you something good for either Keith or Gortat? And I don't see how they. I don't. I don't see where that happens. Um, you know, I, I'm with you to have a small ball five to add to that. You know, someone like Miritich, I've heard his name a lot around a lot. But the Bulls, are, I mean, there are a lot of teams who want Miritich. You know what I'm saying? So there's going to be competition for someone like that, for someone like Tyreek Evans. And that type of competition hurts the Wizards because they don't have enough assets. Um, so maybe maybe Ernie pulls another rabbit out of his hat, you know, uh, like you said, a wing player would be a wing. I mean, they got a lot. Of, I mean, you want a front court player who can get you rebounds. You want a wing player who can provide some a break for Brad. Um, there are a lot of things you would want. Uh, some more shooting off the bench, but I don't know. I don't know how they how they're able to get it. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. Uh, all right, we got to get going here because it's late and you need to go to bed. By the way, one last thing I just looked up. So during this stretch where they've been struggling, which I basically start at, when they started their five-game homestand, um, so about like nine, eight, nine games ago, so in that stretch, the three best net rating lineups for them with at least eight minutes, so not you know at least that much, all of them are essentially the bench guys with one of the starters. In other words, John Mahimi is part of the three best net rating lineups, which I know some people might say clearly discredits the stat. I'm just pointing out uh-huh. that the, 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 the bench guys, not as much today, but in general, have been holding up their own. That, the, 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 the small ball lineup with Markeith at, at the five, that lineup is a minus 7.6 in 50 minutes. So it's not been working out as well as maybe we think it is, uh, but uh, I think that ultimately is the lineup on some level that they're going to have to go to even more. Um, they got to make that work, especially as we get closer to the end, because that's where I think they have some interesting advantages out there. All right, Armand, uh, I definitely appreciate the, uh, the, the last minute 
conversation. Appreciate it as always. Go go find Armand's uh, podcast, uh, the quarterly report on iTunes basketball, but way more if you're into the wire, among other things. I purposely haven't listened in a while because I am one of the few people who has still not seen The Wired. Please, no spoilers. It's on my list, of course. I know I'm a bad person. I just haven't had time. Oh, man, we got to get on this, baby. We got we to gotta get on this, baby. I, I know. There's too, there's too much good TV. I can't keep up with everything. I And, and like, I just look at it going, oh, my God, the amount of time I have to invest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's a lot. Yeah. That's so how I feel the same with the game of Thrones. <laughs> I, I get it. It's good. But, like, I... It's only you're asking me to commit like you know sixty hours. I, I can't do it. Yeah, it's a lot. But anyway, we'll get to that. And of course, Armand's on Twitter at Armand underscore Lee. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I uh, hope you're hope you're uh, hanging in there with your Knicks. At least you got Porzingis <laughs> and, and the, uh, the the point guard whose name I'll butcher. So at least you got that going on this year. So good luck with all that. Uh, I appreciate it. We need all the luck we can get. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks. All right. So many thanks to Armand Lee for his time. Uh, I didn't say, but I've said this before when Armand's been on, but he, uh, we, we both used to work together over at the old CSN Mid Atlantic. Uh, he definitely is a basketball hoops head. So he, he loves talking ball. So I appreciate his time. Uh, thank you guys, of course, as always for listening. If you missed any of our podcasts this week, you can go check them out on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere else you do your podcasting. I did a two parter with another former CSNer, Jay Michael earlier, uh, Oh, within the last week, I put it up, uh, broken into two parts. You can check that out as well. The Wizards are, what are the Wizards are? They're off, they're off until they face Atlanta. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't quite remember, but yes, they're, they're, they're playing Atlanta next on Saturday. Then they get OKC again back, but this time back home Tuesday. So Atlanta on the road to close out the road trip. Uh, they are, one and three on this road trip, so they can't get a winning one. But they get Atlanta. Of course, the last time they played in Atlanta, it was one of those losses where you're like, wow, have the Wizards reached a low point? Not sure they have. It's gotten a little bit worse since then. 26 and 22 now. They were 19 and 16 at that point. So I guess technically their record is better, but only, well, I don't even know if that's true. But, yeah, it's not great. It, it, it's not great, Bob. It's not great right now. But we'll see if they can turn it around. Keep hope stays alive. We'll see how they get going against an Atlanta team that they should beat. But you know how many times we've said that before this year, and then that didn't uh, take place. All right, so uh, appreciate it as always, you, you guys, for checking out the podcast. Uh, you got any thoughts, questions? Hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standick. Email me bstandick one at gmail dot com. Hang tough. Uh, we'll see what happens next time. And until then, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.